0: Today on the breakdown. Some people wonder if they had access to a time machine, where they would go. Would they go back to, you know, like 19, I don't know, 05 or something and kill Hitler in his, his grip? Would they go forward to see what, what's going to happen with Bitcoin after all or this other technology? But some people, I know what they would do. I can tell you because I know this community. If they go back to 2010. Not to, like, invest, not to buy things, not to take advantage of money, but to watch Jonathan Duhamel make his big run in the World Series of Poker main event, where he would ultimately be crowned champion. And one of the hands along the way would definitely be, like, a must-see hand, if you're going to get in the time machine, you know. And it's a hand actually against a young and not yet famous Matthew Berkey, who we're going to do another hand of, apparently, and... Well, let's just say this is a key hand for both players. There's like 48 players left in this main event. We know one of them's going to win it. The other one, well, they're not going to win. Let's get into it right now in the breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey. Yeah, this is a
1: Berkey hand from before. Before Burkalicious was even the most popular version of bubblegum at the grocery
0: store, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is like uh, BM. And by that, I mean before Bowel. before Matt.
1: Before Matt. Uh, you would <laughs> he, just didn't, have- he didn't go by Matt until recently.
0: <laughs> what? He didn't go by
1: Matt until recently. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Uh,
0: no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying before we knew him as ah. Matt. He's just like some dude who wore a bow tie. That's all I knew him as. Well, he's not wearing a bow tie in this hand. Well, that would have been even harder to recognize it then, don't you think? I guess so. Yeah. Like, put the pieces together, man. What yeah. Do, what do I got to draw a line for you or something? <laughs> Did, were you trying to think of a shape? Was it tough to think of a shape? <laughs> no, it wasn't a shape. Really. It was more of the, what the shape would be of. And I was like, am I drawing like a like a whole... like I was thinking of Charlie in... Uh, I was in Philadelphia when he's doing the Pepe Sylvia thing yeah, and yeah. he's got the whole, you know, conspiracy diagram yeah. behind him. And I was thinking about that and like, how do I describe that? And I, I couldn't do it. And so I just went with the line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. It's good, though. It's good.
1: You draw, you're drawing like a
0: detective chart when you're chasing a murderer. I think that's what it is with, with, with the red threads. A detective chart when you're chasing a murderer. That is the most unlegalese. You have never seen uh, Law & Order, any of them. I have seen a shitload of Law & Order. Back in, when I was
1: in college, back when Facebook was still cool, I actually created a Facebook group called Law and Order Fucking
0: Rules. It's true. Wow. Um, It's weird, then, you would say that what detectives do is that they chase murders. Yeah, they chase them. No one's ever used that phraseology before. Okay,
1: so they're seeking to to find the murderer. Chasing is one way to look at that. It's not necessarily a foot race.
0: The other thing I just want to point out is... You also chose to call it a detective chart, which I don't think is the red lines going. On. A detective chart would be like, you know, who's working what hours of the detectives this month. No, that's month. a detective timesheet. <laughs> no, a timesheet is what your hours are for to get oh, paid. Oh, who's working what hours? What? What no, your no. hours are. No, no, it's time a, sheet. No, a chart is for everyone else. The timesheet is just for the internal, you know, for getting paid and stuff. I wish I had it a time machine <laughs> right now. I'm not even going to tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> which if you could like let's say it was, a, it was there was a time machine but um they're like you can only go one place and you can only be there for this long and you can only do one thing okay and it's you have to go back in time to kill hitler when he is an infant okay would you do it no you wouldn't chaos theory Oh, because of chaos theory, not because of anything else.
1: No, not because of anything else. No, not, no, not for no moral reason. For the moral okay. reasons, I would do it. But um, because I am selfish, and chaos theory dictates that yeah. I would likely not be currently alive in my current Ooh. state if the world changed in such a huge way, I can't do it. It, it brings up but that, of, that creates yeah. a conundrum.
0: Bit of a paradox. Like, so, you kill Hitler, that means you don't exist. Yeah. So then how could you have killed Hitler? Right. And then he does exist, and that means you exist, and now you're stuck in a loop. Yeah. <laughs> <Now> and, <you're laughs> and that was just, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> okay, let's say they said to you, if you kill Hitler... As an infant. <laughs> yeah. Here's the things we can... We're going to guarantee some things. Okay? okay.
1: We can guarantee some things. You're okay. going to
0: continue... You will, you will be born. You will You will still be fine. So, but number but one. The, the rest of the world might be different in other ways. The world's going to be, of course, somewhat different. That's why you're killing Hitler. Yeah. But not like massively so. Like, you know, it isn't like, you know, you're going to be married to an alien or something like that instead of your current wife Okay. like that. Um, Would you do it now? Yeah, I think so. Wow. You'd kill a baby. Yeah. That's incredible. Hitler baby. <laughs> What if later they were like, that was, that was a Hitler baby, but not the Hitler baby. <laughs> that well, was a different. That, that's Hitler on baby. them, man. That's on them. <laughs> like, we didn't have a lot of time. We have a time machine, but it, it only takes us this one place. What are we supposed to do? We were hoping you'd kill that baby. And like the, the trauma of it would, would affect the other baby, Adolf. And then he would. Are you blaming? You're blaming the
1: drone pilot, not the policymakers. That's not going to get us anywhere.
0: I'm just saying, if you, you know, you have to take some responsibility for killing the wrong child. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not going to take that's. A that's a classic thing with these uh, send people back in time to kill children thing. They often are like this. They, they like, just kill the wrong one. Oh, yeah, they kill the wrong one, and then they don't care about it. Well, they care, but they feel like it's not really their fault. And you're like. Of course, it's at least sort of your fault, right? Like, you could have chosen not to kill an infant, and you went the other way. I mean, it's Hitler. I was interested to see if you had any uh, uh, bit of a reaction to that question as you have a newborn infant yourself. Yeah. Who's... How old is she now? Like, three and a half weeks old? Hitler age. I don't know. Hitler age. Hey, any... Has she shown any signs of potentially um, committing genocide, like, 30, 40 years from now?
1: I don't know. What does, like, continually shitting all the time mean?
0: you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to try and read the tea leaves. On this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I okay. I got to say, I
1: think, I think she's in the clear as yeah. far
0: as that's concerned. We're really treading on some potential issues here with some of these jokes, I guess, but I am Jewish. <laughs> so maybe it's okay. I don't know. I don't know what's okay. And what's yeah. not, we're
1: just making a podcast. And yeah. if anybody has a problem with me
0: killing or not killing maybe <laughs> Hitler, go ahead and write Jonathan an email about yeah, it, yeah, or tweet about it. Yeah, you know, that's fine. Uh, maybe we can get a feud with, uh, I don't know who to get in a feud with about killing or not killing baby Hitler. Well, Phil Hummuth would just give him a nice tip. Wow. It would just tip. Yeah. Him. Wow. Oh, he would. You're just said Phil Hummuth would tip Hitler. I mean, he tips everybody. That right? Is, he, <laughs> if
1: Hitler was wearing a little, a little infant costume that indicated that he worked somewhere, Phil would just give him a hundo, right? That's just the Phil Hummuth way. I mean, then he'd tweet about it. Do you want clout?
0: Wait, wait, wait. Uh, OK, I certainly have a problem with the tweeting about it for cloud thing, as I made very clear when I t- retweeted his thing and wrote black. Yeah. And by the way, good job, everyone who seemed to be on board with that, because yeah. the rest of the Twitter verse was like, Phil, you're such an such an inspiration and such a great example. I'm going blah, blah. to like, fuck all you guys. You're all lying and sucking up to him. No one feels this way. <laughs> but I was going to say this. I can't blame Phil for not vetting everyone he gives a tip to as he's walking from like one place to the other. Like he's supposed to find I, out like I was your not,
1: background. No, no, I was not being accusatory of, of him oh, caring okay. about the background. I'm just saying he would just do it for, oh, he would for, do it yeah. for
0: clout. It's better than doing it for like, you know, I know what you're going to do in the future. Oh, here's a hundred yeah. bucks. <laughs> there's, there's dimensionality to it. And how, yeah. how isn't that far? He's he's okay. in the he's in the tipping for clout dimension. Yeah, yeah, no, he very would, much. Would would
1: so. Phil have ever tip twenty two people one hundred dollars in a day if he couldn't tell anybody about it? I don't think he would.
0: Of course he wouldn't. In fact, he normally doesn't because he decided to tell people yeah. about it out of nowhere and didn't say this is something I do every day. Which of course he would have said because we know he cares about the clout. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was just like, ugh, like just shut up and give people money if you want. Don't. Ugh, I just hate it. Yep, and I and I also. I mean, this is like really far afield yeah, now, but I really, is. I really have a problem with this. Like, I'm doing it to inspire other people to tip, which is, I think, one of the things he sort of took on as people like started. Well, saying, that, but that's like, his
1: deflection for yeah. it being about clout, right? But it's
0: such a lie. Yeah, it's such a lie. Um, sorry, I don't. I've never met Phil Hubbard, so when I say it's such a lie, I guess I'm guessing more than saying it as a f- piece of fact, but I do not believe it. I guess is what I'm saying.
1: What I do believe is Matt Burkey's in this hand.
0: Yes. Yes, he is. He's in this hand. You know who else is in this hand? Jonathan. 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 Duhamel. 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 People, people said Duhamel's name so many different ways after he won. If you watch like... Joe Stapleton and just every show he was on, I mean, they all said it differently. French
1: Canadian is a tough accent. Duhamel, people struggle with the French Canadian accent.
0: People struggle with uh, Josh Duhamel's name. Josh Duhamel from Las Vegas and Transformers, among ah. other things. Uh, but I think it's Duhamel for him. But he's not French Canadian. So it's your point,
1: yes, yeah. being French Canadian makes everything harder. Duhamel, Duhamel. Who cares? Those are the two. <laughs> Who cares? Okay. Now we'll say something about this hand because. Uh, before we get to it, a strategy okay. piece about the hand. Yeah. Matt Berkey is obviously a, a common topic, as Phil Helmuth is on this podcast. He is. Uh, he, he plays interesting poker. He makes decisions that we find often questionable. Yes. And a lot of the time, we're trying to discern whether or not his plays are actually with great foresight and thought behind them, or if maybe he's just clicking buttons a little bit and making some mistakes that are very clear mistakes, right? Yep. And... This hand plays out in, in a certain way, and it's a, a way where in 2010, if I saw this hand, and I clearly wouldn't have known who Matt Berkey was in 2010, I would just be like, oh, that's too bad for that amateur that he lost that way,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Because, I mean, it's against Jonathan Duhamel, so right. no big spoilers here. Right. But Matt Berkey is still doing these things, and it's what he does in this hand is not necessarily professional level, I think, is... Okay. Now, now, professionals might make the same decisions that he did, but I know amateurs would make the same decisions that he
0: did. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird spot. I mean, first of all, it's ten years ago. Yeah, it's possible he wasn't really a professional back then. Yeah, it's that's possible true. he wasn't sophisticated the way he is now. so, I don't know if it's really fair to compare twenty ten Matt Berkey to twenty twenty. That's, Matt that's fair.
1: Twenty ten Grant Denison was certainly a much yeah. worse poker player than twenty twenty Grant Denison.
0: Jason Kuhn famously said. Uh, If you don't think you sucked at poker six months ago, you're not working hard enough. And I will say, I'm definitely not working hard enough. Then, not before the pandemic. That might be a bit extreme. No, no. But but it was an interesting thing. And I will say, like as I like, you know, read books and things like that. Like when I read, um, I learned a lot more about game theory stuff and uh, frequencies and stuff like that a few years back, as you may remember. Yeah. And that was the point where I was like, holy shit, I sucked. You know, like. And, like, having that realization was kind of an awesome thing. And I could relate to what Jason Kuhn was saying, at least to some degree, where it's like, look at all these things I fixed and all these things. And then, of course, you have to keep, right. you know, keep fixing around the edges. So. Matt Berkey, someone who at least in theory is working all the time on this kind of stuff, so I would think that he would look back at his 2010 self, maybe not this hand, maybe this hand, and be like, "Well, obviously I sucked in 2010." Like, sure, yeah, I'm I'm leagues away from that. That's probably
1: that is probably the case, and we always do want to give Berkey the benefit of the doubt because he gets more of the
0: benefit of the doubt than anybody else on this podcast. It seems. I mean, that's the most uh, I've ever defended anything he's ever done. Yeah, You're but usually I, the guy who's I am, anything. I am yeah. usually, but
1: I, I was just, take, it, I think it, it took me seeing Berkey out of time, out of context of, yeah. of being the famous Berkey that he is, to have and watch him make a play that, that seems somewhat pedestrian, yeah. Yeah. to have the realization that that's just a common play that is like, okay, but like if you were pro, maybe you do it a little different,
0: you know? Yeah. And so maybe it is indicative of something. But well, it, like you said, it is 10 years ago. I mean, a lot was different 10 years ago. And I think as we get into this, it's going to be very noticeable, some of the things that we're going to be taking into account that I doubt either player was taking into account back then because people really weren't doing that very much. And if they were, they were way ahead of the game, like so, so far ahead of the game. Things like blockers and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to dive in. Dive into the hand much like Flipper dove into that pool that time and swam. I'm glad you said Flipper, not Free Willy, because Free Willy, fuck that guy. I mean, first of all, I believe the dolphin's name was Willie, not Free Willie. It's the, not a dolphin, bro. Is it a whale?
1: It was an orca.
0: So yeah. it's a whale. Um, just Willie, though, right? Free Willie is the name of the movie because they wanted to free Willy. Like, that's a verb. That first thing, no one was like, "Hey, it's free Willie." After he was freed, he was free right? <laughs> Before he was, he was imprisoned Willie. <laughs> no, no, he no, just no, he was Cage Willie because he wasn't freed Willie. <laughs> He's yeah. free Willie. Oh no, actually, no, you could be caged Willie still. So, okay, uh, Caged Cage Willie, imprisoned Willie. I'm glad we shackled Willie. <laughs> I'm glad
1: we worked all that out. Hey, let's uh work out. Yes, some of hand.
0: yes, which was suggested
1: by Mung Juice. Mung Juice. Mung Juice. That's Mung correct. Juice. On Twitter, this was a poker go hand because poker go, of course, bought up all of the World Series of Poker stuff. I mean, Just bastards. I don't
0: like that. They did that.
1: Yeah. It makes it harder. because We can't make videos of it, but Hey, yeah. we're making a podcast of it and it is from the 2010 main event. Mung juice, of course, suggested it on Twitter. We are the poker guys on Twitter, include a YouTube or poker go or whatever link. And the time that the hand occurs, if you want to suggest a hand yep. for the breakdown, yep. let's get to it. Okay. Jonathan is deep because he, you know, he did a really good run in this main event where he had a lot of chips most of the time. We have uh, 44 players remaining, 43 players remaining I think it is actually. I think it's a little more actually, but it's actually doesn't 40. matter. It's 43. 43. No, it's 43. Okay. Um so My mistake. yeah, always is. And so Duhamel's going to open a 200k in the hijack. We don't know how much he has, but we know he is deep.
0: I just want to say I'm sorry about the Hitler baby thing. I did, I thought it was the I thought it was Adolf, I was wrong, okay? <laughs> you keep bringing that up forever. I was wrong. You killed the wrong kid. I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah.
1: Juhamel opens 200K with two eights. Okay. Eight of hearts, eight of clubs. I believe it's 80K big blind. The World Series didn't tell us. It's either 80 or 100K big blind. It's fine. Whatever. He's deep. Berkey's in the big blind and not famous, so that's a burn on him already. He is the effective stack with 3.825 million. So it's a reasonable stack, especially day seven of the main event. You're thrilled to have this stack on day seven of the main event,
0: right? Absolutely. Approaching 50 bigs. Visions of sugar plums are dancing in his head.
1: Right. It is near Christmas time at least the main event in 2020 was, or whatever they that yeah. thing was that they played that they called yeah, the main they're event. Yeah, they the main event. Yeah. He's got 10-6 of diamonds. He's going to defend the big blind. Okay. All seems fine in the world. Yeah. What else is fine in the world is our new sponsor. Oh, Thrive Fantasy. Say it, you know, in a way that is... Thrive Fantasy. There you go. Yeah. So people understand what you're saying. Thrive Fantasy is a DFS site, but it's a little bit different. And if you use the code PG50, capital P, capital G, five, zero, when you sign up for Thrive on the Google Play Store, the iOS store, or at thrivefantasy.com, you get a $50 deposit match That's a damn good deal for an innovative site. Jonathan, they use player props, not fantasy points like the other sites.
0: Yeah. So instead of it being like, I'm just going to take this player and hope they do well, period. It's more like you pick. there's 20 player props in any particular contest. You have to pick 10 of them and you get different different point values are assigned depending on how difficult the prop would be to hit. So if it's like Pat Mahomes has got to run for two touchdowns, you're like, yes, he will. Okay, you're going to get a lot of points for that because he's a quarterback. It's rare for that that. to happen. Right. Um, and if you say no, you're going to win it more often. You're going to get less points. And so you're up against a bunch of other people. There's $75,000 guaranteed every weekend, I believe,
1: Grant? Uh, weekly prizes awarded are $75K. Ah. They've, they've awarded over $2
0: million in prizes. And we have a special private Poker Guys game on Thrive Fantasy. you got to use the secret code, which is capital P, capital G, just P, G. Paul yeah. George, if you want to remember it. Yeah,
1: sure. Really Just find find the Poker Guys contest on Thrive once yeah. you sign up using the code PG50 and you'll get access to that private contest with fun prizes. You get to pick the player props, man. It's fun. You, you think Derrick Henry is going to get fewer than 10 yards? Well, guess what? You can... Probably pick that prop. I mean
0: probably not that exact not one. Not that exact one, but you know, versions of that. Yeah, and, like you really know, get over a hundred is probably a normal prop.
1: Right? right. And then that's probably like a fifty-fifty, right, for if you yeah. so. get
0: over a hundred. But will get over three hundred?
1: It's like, oh you can
0: really <laughs> get a lot of points if it gets over <laughs> three hundred. Probably that's not a prop either. Um yeah, and so as we have the, the NFL Divisional Games coming up this weekend, it's pretty exciting. We had a fun wild card weekend last weekend, probably, because we're recording this before it, it happened, but I'm assuming it was fun. It sounds fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to it or back to it or whatever. Wow,
1: but. you are creating a paradox. <laughs> Time machine.
0: Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so we've got these great games coming up. We've got four games, and you get to play in a contest. It's awesome, and it's a fun new way to do fantasy. Right. Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or
1: Play Store. Use the code PG50. When you sign
0: up, yes, thriving,
1: and that's what Duhamel's saying. Yeah, as he's getting called by this backwards-headed kid that nobody's ever heard of. He's like, "Yes, I've got two eights, and this fool who's never even been seen outside of his own house called me." Yeah, how can I be in such a good spot? <laughs> <laughs> what a gift. 520 K's in the pot. Okay. Again, Berkey was the effective stack starting the hand with over 3.8 million. The flop is a good one for young Matt Berkey. Six of hearts, three of diamonds, six of spades. Matt Berkey again has 10 six of diamonds. Yeah. Duhamel's got the overpair with two eights.
0: That's pretty good. Great spot for Berkey here.
1: Yes. Who's going to check? I Fine. like it. Seems right. All right. It's common to bet here, but is there an argument for checking as Duhamel? does Berkey have more sixes in his range to the extent that you would check this board sometimes?
0: Absolutely not. Okay. This feels like a very clear bet. I think we're betting not just over pairs here. I think we can bet a bunch of our other hands as well. Cause this is just going to miss Berkey a huge amount of the time. Like, of course he's going to have a six once in a while. He's going to have some gut shots. He's going to have a three. He's going to have other things, but like we have the best hand with eights a lot, but even with like a good ace high, we have the best hand a lot. And just, and with anything like Jack 10 suited, I think this is just a good hand to, to bet. You know, because we're just gonna fold out so much of Berkey's range here.
1: I mean, with anything but trip sixes are better, we're mostly our best outcome is Berkey folding though, right? Like it's mostly for protection. Um yeah, I think so. I think that's right. So yeah, I mean I think modern poker theory might have it a little different where like, you might want to check some hands. Maybe not eights because they're so vulnerable, but yeah. like, over pairs and some ace highs you might want to check just because there is a, a bit of a range advantage for Berkey here. And in modern poker, Berkey's going to have more check raises with gut shots and hands like yes. that, making it
0: very difficult to play against on this board. That's, that's fair. I think, I think the best candidates for checking back for value are hands like pocket aces, pocket kings, You know, hands where they're not really very vulnerable and there's yep. very few bad cards on the turn for us. Uh, and that protects our checking range some. Right? Yeah, I agree.
1: Duhamel is going to agree with you and bet. Yeah. Again, this is an era thing. He bets a bit bigger than I think he would if it were today. But it's 245 into 520. On this drive board. Yeah. you'd expect more of like a 110 to 150 type bet.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. 150 seems just fine. Yeah. I mean, maybe if we're trying to protect with eights, maybe we want to go a little bit more than with 50 to like fold out some fold of that, the big what, over like cards. King Jack? Yeah, he's gonna fold that anyway. Probably it's, it's day the, seven of the yeah, main event. Yeah, you're right. It's like, a, why mess around? Yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, and th- we've said this before when doing main event hands, the, every chip holds more weight in these hands. Oh my like God. day seven, it's just such a huge
0: deal. Every pot in these spots, it's. I mean, like, so I'm thinking about the last time I played the main event, yeah, and like. I didn't get that far. I got made it to what day four. Right. Mm-hmm. And like so I remember making the money and like the few hours leading up to the money is like stressful as hell. I was like I had reason I had a reasonable chip stack, still really stressful and intense. And every decision is like weighty. And so I can't even imagine where you're into the real money. Like yeah. we're talking about making like fifteen K or sixteen K or something like that versus hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions up top. And you know, like you're close. Like you can smell it now. Right. So I mean it's so intense.
1: Yeah. Which, uh, which gives raises and stuff by unknown players like Matt Berkey a little bit more weight, right? You might want to yeah. trust it a little bit more unless you've seen him do a lot of Berkey-type stuff already.
0: Yeah. I mean, means- I assume he probably has been doing some Berkey. Probably. Stuff. And this is actually a great board, if you're Matt Berkey, to attack Right. Yes. As a, with a check raise, whether you have it or not.
1: Right. You'd want to have at least some equity, right? It, using modern poker theory, you'd want to at least have a gut
0: shot or something. Yeah, but you might even because you have such a range advantage, you might even be able to attack with some overcards and stuff like that. At, with le- some you, backdoor, at least some a backdoor, backdoor flush equity. draw. Yeah, yeah. At least a backdoor flush draw. I agree. You want to be able to turn something real. Yeah. That's that's fair.
1: Either way, Berkey doesn't have to worry about any of that because he's got trip sixes. Yeah. And he is going to check raise to six hundred and twenty-five k. Can't really fault him for this. Not at all. I mean. Just hoping that Duhamel has an overpair, right? Just like he has. But what should Duhamel do with his overpair? This is not an ideal spot. Does it, it? Does it depend on if you know Berkey? Like day seven of the main event, if you don't know who Berkey is, you're like this guy who made it to day seven who I've
0: never seen before. Should I just fold again like on a six-six-three board? <laughs> um, interesting question. I think if we think he's a true amateur, we should probably just fold right now. Yeah. Um, I think beyond that, it's kind of absurd to fold an overpair for just a check raise on this board. Like when we're still deep-ish too. It isn't like, you know, I think that's probably incorrect, even though we already are beating no value in theory, right? Like I don't think he's check raising a three. I don't think he's check raising pocket sevens, right? No. So it's already sort of sucks, but like this is the part of a range we have to continue with. We have to continue with part of our range, right? Like most of our hands are going to be one pair or worse. This is one of the one pair ones. I think we should be continuing. What do you think?
1: I mean, it's... Sounds good when you say it, yeah. but if I'm on day seven of the main event and I've never seen the guy before and I, he doesn't like play in a way that makes me think he's an elite player, I'm probably just folding yeah. eights. I think on, that's on a 663 board because, like, what the hell? Like, why, why am I getting involved here? Yeah. Like, let's just move along. This right. guy has so many trip sixes in his range.
0: Yeah, if you feel like you've been getting check raised a lot and folding a lot, maybe then you have to call more now because you feel like maybe the table's picking on you. Maybe. Um, if you feel like you've seen Berkey do this stuff, fine, or you know something about him. But otherwise, I, I think I practically you're correct. Like, people just aren't messing around very often in these spots. And you should really quickly know who is and who isn't. And eights isn't the hand to hold on with anyway. Because even if he is messing around, he could have overcards. And he, had a, he has reasonable equity usually right. against you. Versus, at least if you have, like, queens here, you're like, well, you know, you have to hold on with something, right? Queens is at least like, well, maybe he's doing it with two tens because there's what he's doing, you know? Like, maybe, yeah. maybe. I mean, it seems unlikely, honestly, but maybe. And... And if you're sitting there wondering what the hell we're talking about with all of
1: this, like you folding eights on mm. on this in this spot, maybe you like maybe you have maybe you haven't been deep in an event where like every chip feels like it matters so much. It's different. People play differently, and if yeah. they're not elite pros, they are adjusting in ways that are way too tight normally. And if exactly. you want evidence of that, just look at the main event final table every year. It's usually a snooze fest for the most part.
0: I mean, our friend Mitch Towner, who won the Monster Stack yeah. in 2016. There was one raise on the river, the entire final table, which lasted like eight hours or something, right? Yep. And it was Mitch doing it, um, and Mitch, of course, had it. Yeah. And not that Mitch is crazy tight or anything even, but like he, that's literally the only river raise that happened. That may have been one of the only post-flop raises that happened at that entire final table. I think it might have been, been the yeah. only one. Like, people just aren't fucking around that much. Now, sometimes someone is, but you should, yeah. be, able to, you should be able to figure that out really quickly If Michael was anyway. Rockies at the table, you're going to know. Right. You know? right of course if victor blom is like taking shots at people then you just don't fold in these spots right. that's fine but until you have evidence you should mostly just not screw around with like anything that isn't a monster when someone is repping a monster in these really big spots even though that sounds like god you're going to get exploited you're practically you're not right
1: i mean you are going to get exploited by fetter holtz but you're going to know that's Feder holtz right are right? so you're not going to let yourself get exploited if you don't know who the guy is. Like, like I said, just watch the main event final table. like there are very few years where it's just fireworks and exciting oh it's, it's always just like, wow, that guy just folded tens under the gun. It's, oh, it's stuff yes. like that, you know like
0: what was the name of the guy um, who won a few years ago slightly heftier guy uh, with uh, Scott Blumstein? Yes, Scott okay. Blumstein. Um, he actually had a few moves right right he actually like I remember he like he three bet and then triple barreled all in with like King 10 off against what's his name's pocket eights right the,
1: which is actually really impressive for blumstein because at the time he was like a guy who was grinding like 300 500 tournaments yeah
0: i mean he, he had the right card to do it the king of, he had the king of clubs yeah. and like the third club came on the river and stuff but like that is like really notable that isn't yeah. happening almost ever in these spots is, is grant's point right so to not adjust to that is just foolhardy and like it reminds me a little bit of that time when dan coleman folded aces to scott siever in yeah. the cash game where like he five bet pre-flop siever called the flop was king high Coleman bet once check turn called and check river Seaver bet. Seaver had a set of nines. Yeah. Seaver bet. And Coleman thought for a long time and folded aces on a relatively unscary board. And later on, he was just like, Scott's never, never betting with like even ace King there ever. And that's Scott Seaver. Right. Right. Like, and so he's, he's saying Scott Seaver is not bluffing there. Right. Right. He's like, the money's way too big. Like we don't play like that. And that's, I mean, it means that there's like opportunity there Yeah. maybe some of that's been fixed even now. But the point is, if you don't know who the person is, my God, it's also a lot easier to
1: sit back, listen to this podcast and say, I would take that opportunity if I had it in the main event with 43 left and actually sit there and fucking take that opportunity. Yes. Like I've never been deep in the main event, but I've been deep in meaningful tournaments and I have felt the gravity of being like, fuck, this is a spot. Yes, and then
0: not taking the spot. Of course. I've
1: felt the gravity. Yeah, me you know? too.
0: Me too. And it's just like, it's a lot harder. And I've, yeah. taken, I've, I've taken the spot sometimes yeah. as well. But I mean, I've also taken the spot, I actually remember this, just thinking of this right now, day three of the World Series where um, I actually had an overpair and got raised on the flop and called and check called the turn and the river came and it brought like a, a, a straightening and flushing card. I checked and the guy bet small and I was like, "Oh God, he's beating me and he's afraid." Mm-hmm. And so I check raised with two nines, like knowing I was no good. And he sat he sat there for like nine minutes talking about what he should do, and he had his he, he rivered his straight as it turns out actually, and finally folded. And I I mean it was really hard to pull the trigger and then it took taking that long it's just like you're sitting it's there and pain. You're s- it's like j- i remember thinking at one point i was like all right well i'm assuming he's going to call eventually cuz yeah. he, he kept talking about how he had a straight i'm like he's he's not going to fold a straight right even though even though he can't actually beat my value he's not folding a straight like that's just too good um so okay so how many chips am i going to have left okay i guess that's fine like it sort of sucks but it's fine it's, it was a good shot i guess you know like just trying to like self talk to like keep my keep my sure. emotions okay here as so i'm going to have to keep playing this fucking tournament you know so yeah, I mean, this is all really heavy shit when you're actually doing it. It's it's not light and easy unless you're super rich or you've been there a million times.
1: Yeah. All of that said, it is Matt Berkey and maybe Duhamel didn't yes. know who he was. Yes. Or if he didn't, maybe he'd already seen some moves out of Berkey, which would not be unexpected knowing Burkey at this point. Agreed. Right? So Duhamel does call and I can't fault him for it, but yeah. if it's against a random amateur, I think it's probably a fold with two eights.
0: Yeah. I think it's a random amateur you fold against someone who's a little a little bit spewy. You, like, call once, and you probably fold most turns to, like, show them that you have something you might call down, and then... Yeah. And against the crazy people, you don't, you don't fold unless bad. It really runs out bad.
1: I mean, yeah, you call against Kui Win, who's an amateur. Of course. But
0: that's, that's a different completely type of amateur. completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so humble calls. Can't fault him for that. Can't fault Berkey for raising. Everything seems fine so far. It does. And everything's also fine on Nitrogen
0: Sports, Jonathan, where the meadows just smell so nice. Nothing could be finer than an afternoon spent on nitrogen.
1: Okay. Can you explain in the terms of like a travel agent what you yeah. might what you might do in a nice nitrogen sports
0: afternoon. Well I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, one thing you would definitely do is you would, you know uh wet your feet on the uh bubbling My feet are gonna be wet? Yeah you're gonna well you're gonna choose to wet them okay. actually. Oh so
1: it's, it's gonna be like a it's like a comfort Thing, yeah, like, it's a bub- The bubbling brook, it's not like it's not like my feet got wet. and I'm walking around with soggy feet. And it's uncomfortable.
0: Oh, no, that's going to happen after. Oh, okay. But right now, you're choosing to wet your feet oh, on okay. the bubbling brook of uh, nitrogen's fabulous poker setup. <laughs> okay, sounds sounds lovely. so far so good, right? Yeah. Um, you know, enjoy a wonderful night's rest on our you know 800 <laughs> thread count <laughs> Egyptian cotton silk sheets, which are silk sheets, which are also uh you know stand-ins for the sports betting. <laughs>
1: That they have. <laughs> you're you're a terrible travel agent, but I guess it's there's a,
0: no more travel I agents I know, so
1: I guess it's fine if, yeah. if if you're gonna be bad at something, it's a dead profession is a fine thing to be bad at.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're I'm also, bad at that. You're
1: also a terrible newsie, but that's okay too.
0: Right. I <laughs> think I would have been a good newsie, but fine. Okay. Extra, extra. I don't know why you think it's x <laughs> instead of extra. No, no, that's what the newsies said, because they weren't good at speaking, because they never went to school because they're busy out here and they can't read. Extra, extra. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. To your point, <laughs> if you use the link in the description, you get access to Nitrogen's
1: Super Tournament, which is the Poker Guys Tournament. It's a monthly yeah. tournament where they have obscene guarantees. I can't imagine it's going to last that much longer at these guarantee and levels y- with Bitcoin. Oh my going God. Nuts.
0: It's really going crazy. Yeah.
1: Anyway, at the end of every month, they always give you an excellent tournament with an excellent overlay. I can't be sure it's going to be as good as it is right now forever, oh. so you better get
0: in as soon as you can. It's still going to be good. I mean, as we are recording this, it's 1,000 millibits guaranteed, which is... 100 millibits guaranteed. 100 right? millibits guaranteed. You're right, because 1,000 millibits yeah. is a Bitcoin. But that is almost 3000 American dollars right. as of right now. They're just guaranteeing, and they only allow... Uh, there's a, That's a 1,000 buy-ins. They only allow up to 300 players... Which if you do the math, that means they're they're putting up at least twenty one hundred extra dollars worth of Bitcoin in that prize pool every time. That's assuming we sell out. We never sell out. No. There's like max two hundred players usually, something like that. It's crazy. It's like $2,400 just thrown at you. All you have to do is open your hands and grab it.
1: I mean, when Bitcoin was a quarter of what it is now, this was still an incredible deal. Yes. And that might be what the deal goes back to in the future. But for now, believe- you got to get in on this part of the deal because what the hell, man? This
0: is the time. Like, yeah. oh, my God. You better hope they stay asleep at the switch because yeah. I'd be worried that we won't say anything except right now. But like... This is a crazy opportunity to it just is. This, this overlay right now.
1: Of course, they also have sports betting, casino games, yes. everything that you could want on a nice walk in a meadow on an afternoon that a travel agent might describe. Yes, exactly. And, you know, use the link in the description or you don't get access to that truly absurd tournament. Truly absurd. We don't know how much
0: longer it's going to be just like this. It might be a while. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Bitcoin might keep going up. It might be better. It Who might knows? be even better. Who knows? Yeah, it might be worse. Could be worse. Everything can happen, man. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so exciting about it. You know, you go back in time to strangle one child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the method of killing makes it a little darker <laughs> when you
0: use the method. How are you going to kill the, the infant? What were I don't, you thinking? I'm not telling you. No, no. You to, don't tell me, but tell. I'll close my ears, but tell everyone else. I am showing Grant that not I'm not closing. Not don't tell me. them how you would do it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, this is going to be used against you in a court of law down the road. You know, that. I hope not. Okay. Well, do it anyway. Tell us. No. Moving right. on. All right. All right. We'll just assume you would have strangled the kid. All right, okay. go ahead.
1: Cool. All right, yeah. so after the raise on the flop by Matt Berkey with trip sixes on the six, six, three board, rainbow board, he's got 10 six of diamonds. There is one diamond out there, the three of diamonds. Okay. Duhamel with two eights. Pots 1.77 million. Berkey's got 3 million left. The turn is the eight of diamonds. That is
0: really lame. I mean, this really shows
1: like everybody remembers how Duhamel got super lucky against Matt Affleck. This is also pretty damn
0: lucky. This is luckier, I think, actually, because Matt Affleck, he had 10 outs. I mean, that was a much bigger spot, though. It was a much bigger spot. You're right. And also, like, Duhamel might be folding the turn if Berkey bets again. We don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Because Berkey checks.
1: Yeah. So let's discuss.
0: Okay. Discuss you late that, Jonathan Levy. Okay. Um it's a little strange that Berkey checks here after he check raises and gets called. He also picked up the flush draw, by the way. Yep. Doesn't you assume you don't need it because like I guess you could be up against a better six, but you're like, well, he's just you know cool, I picked up outs against a better six, more outs. I mean that's happy. Yeah, no, that is good. No, you'd rather have the flush draw than not. Um but it doesn't really practically change our our spot here. No. Right. Um and as you see, it truly doesn't because we're drawing dead against Duhamel. Well no, we have one out against Duhamel, right? we got this old six. We can make quads, but besides that. We're screwed. Um, mostly you would think Berkey should be betting here. I would think. I don't know what you would think. I would think Berkey should be betting because we just check raise got called and we've got like 3 million left with 1.7 in the pot, right? Yeah. So we should very comfortably and easily be able to bet, turn, and shove river and put to a decision with his pocket kings or whatever he has. But it looks like he's got a lot of overpairs, right? The eight is, good, is a good card against a hand like pocket kings. Um, the straight doesn't come in because like, What is it? It's uh three six six three, right? So like if it's a seven or a deuce, Duhamel's going to notice that if he's got kings. And if we bet again, he's like, oh, now what can I beat? You know, now I can only beat air. You know, I can beat some gutters, I guess. That decide to continue. It's not great. Um, so I my my inclination would be to bet. It seems pretty clear though because Berkey checks, that he's checking to check race.
1: Yeah, it seems... And I, you know what? I don't hate it. No, um, me either. You'd think that if Duhamo had an overpair, which is his most likely holding at this point, it seems. He's yeah. an overpair, right? He doesn't have that many
0: 4.5s. He doesn't have too many ace highs. He's probably just folding ace high, right? I mean, he has 4.5 suited, but there's only four combos of yeah. that. And that's... Yeah, besides that, I think it's just overpairs almost always.
1: So even if it is four or five, four or five and overpairs are actually I think hands that are good to have this plan against. Four or five, Duhamel's betting for sure if we check, right? He, I think he has to. So we get to shut out that equity.
0: That's, that and, is great. And
1: by moving in. Um, and if he calls, it's just going to be a bad call and we get like the, the better end of that situation oh, yeah, anyway. We're fine with that. Um, if he has an no overpair, Duhamel's probably going to bet because he's going to be like, oh, he slowed down. Maybe he has a draw. I need to protect against that. Or maybe he has like a three I should try to get value from or something like that. I it, mean, a three is going to fold. Right. But, but Berkey could have a draw and be yes. like, this is a precarious spot. I don't want to bet my four or five again. So Duhamel's probably betting an overpair, right? I think he's
0: betting an overpair, especially um the slightly weaker ones. Yeah. Like tens, jacks, stuff like that. Maybe maybe a hand like kings and aces again. Maybe he can decide to check that because there's, ver- there's much less to be afraid of. We assume mostly Berkey's going to bet his his own straight draws on the turn, but maybe Berkey gives up because he thinks he doesn't have fold equity. Yeah, he might. Yeah,
1: he might. So then... If if Duhamel bets those over pairs, Berkey might think he has a better chance of getting value by check shoving now than waiting for a scary card to come and trying to check shove or
0: move in. I mean, let's play it out. So Duhamel is Kings. He decides to bet for, yeah. for the reasons you said. He bets... Let's say he sizes it up. He bets 1 million into 1.7. Yeah. Berkey shoves 3 million. It's kind of perfect sizing mm-hmm. spot. Are you calling with Kings if you're Duhamel? It's a, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not, it's not a definite fold, though. We saw him call with the Jacks against Matt Affleck, quite frankly. I mean, so... I mean, he had, it was an overpair to the board. It's no, close, it wasn't, no, you know, it, yeah. it a,
1: depends you know. on what Berkey's check calling range is on the flop or check raising range. If he has gut shots and stuff, he could have picked up a combo draw that is also an open ender, like yep. at this point, yep. or he could have picked up the combo draw with just four or five of diamonds, hands like that. I mean, it's a tough spot
0: with Kings for there's, sure. There's not too many of those though. Really? There's a few that, yeah, it's whatever a three or a four, sorry, a four or five of, di- you know, suited in diamonds is the only way he picks up those combo draws. So he's got some of those, but yeah. not a lot. Whatever, and usually, there's going to be gutters.
1: Whatever the outcome would be, I think that's Berkey's hope is that he could get a yeah. check shove in and maybe get
0: called by an overpair. I certainly don't hate it. Yeah. I think it's fine. And I can also even understand from his point of view of like, it's okay to win the pot right now, like, get another bet out of him and just win the pot. You know, showdowns do kill and it's the main event. Like, not that you're, you, obviously, you want to call if you shove and he doesn't insta call, which I, in this case, you would. would. That's, you don't want to call in this case, but what are you going to do? But of course, you want to call against Kings, but like, can't be that bad to just like move in. You know, once 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 he bets. So I don't hate this at all, is what I'm saying. I support this decision, even though I my inclination would be to bet. Yeah, I, I get it. What um, do you think is
1: better? I think it's really close. Yeah. I think it depends on your opponent. I think if it's Duhamel's fair. got a lot of draws in his range here, I like this play a little better. Um, we get to shut out all the equity, and our tournament life is so valuable at this point, along with, you know, getting a lot of
0: extra chips when, when Duhamel bets. Mm-hmm. We also might play our, um, our four or five a diamond type hands just like this. Like we do it with our sixes and we also like we're check raising with both. Yeah. So th- and that's a pretty sweet way to balance if, if Berkey's thinking about that in 2010. I'm not sure if he is.
1: Hard to know. Yeah. Hard to know. But he doesn't get his chance because Duhamel checks back. Bastard. That's weird. Eights full. I guess he. So that that leads me to believe he puts Berkey on being an amateur who's got four or five and took a shot and is scared.
0: Or he's putting Berkey on, like, I have a range advantage so much on this flop, but you called, that means you have an overpair, and now I'm giving up. Yeah. Like, but either way, you may not get any more action out of him, right? Like, right. If Berkey's got air, he's definitely check folding. Right. Because he's like, you have jacks. I'm done, you know. Um, if he's got four or five, I don't know, like, four or five could, could call, right? Could check shove. Could check shove. We don't have to bet huge here. We could just bet a little something. We could bet, like, really small right yeah about 450k or something like that look like uh you know i'm just trying to like get to the r- river and show down here and bet small to do it ultimately
1: know? this means that duhamel believes for whatever reason that Berkey has a decent amount of bluffs
0: In his right yes. it's a, it does seem like that cuz he's trying to clearly induce a bluff on the river
1: so what does it look like duhamel has an overpair right like he has some overpairs that he's going to check back it's even though i just advocated for betting an
0: overpair what else would he play like this i mean if duhamel had king and ace jack let's say well he would have folded the flop yeah like the you check right you think so it's incredibly hard to think of a hand that duhamel maybe he could have a three he could have a three maybe he could have like pocket fives or pocket fours yeah maybe even pocket sevens yeah and check because once Brookie checks he's like oh god did he just turn an eight and now he's checking you might bet sevens anyway though bet small and then just check back the river and make it easy make your life easier rather than maybe. have to do it another way um yeah, so those are the only hands that really make sense to check, though. I think it's like fours, fives, and maybe sevens. Yeah. Maybe a three, like you're saying. Maybe pocket deuces if we held on with those hands. We may not even be holding on with deuces and a three, but maybe we are.
1: Maybe pocket aces and pocket kinks. Maybe sometimes like you
0: were saying, because okay. he feels less vulnerable with those. And could, doesn't want to get check raised yeah. all in on some stuff. And Okay, maybe maybe that too. But like mostly he's got like very like all these hands we're talking about are all like clear calls on the river at Berkey Betts, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Like pocket sevens. Kind of has to call the river if it's uh, if it's an easy river, right? It's,
1: it's it's a tricky spot, I think. It
0: depends on the card. Yeah. Also on the river card. But like, if it's not a deuce, it, mostly we're going to have to call. It is a deuce, though, by the way. The river? The deuce of clubs. Oh, no.
1: So the board now reads uh six six three with one diamond. The turn was the eight of diamonds. The river is the deuce of clubs. So yeah. the backdoor diamonds missed. 4-5 did get there. Yeah. That's going to be important, I think. Yep. As Berkey, we probably should go for value, though. We're trying to get called by those hands that we just described, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you think that, like, if we were to check-raise all-in on the river instead, because we're trying to get value out of kings, and we're like me, like, they're not going to call when the deuce comes. I think, yeah,
1: they're probably folding the river now. And, like, we can, we can choose what size we want to bet now instead of Kings betting, like, exactly. pretty small to try to get called by a three or
0: something. Right. Now we get to size it up a little bit and put him in a tough spot. Yeah. And, like, he's going to call sometimes with a hand like Kings, and we're going to get paid more than otherwise. I think, I think betting and betting relatively big is a good idea. Relatively. Big. That's what Berkey does.
1: Okay. Bets 1.2 million into 1.77. 7. Yeah. I don't hate that. And Jonathan Duhamel is the easiest move in, in the world. With oh, my God. It's full. Like, oh, God, please house. let this guy have four or five. Yes. Like, Exactly. Right. So Duhamel moves in for 3 million. It's 1.8 million more. The sizing is perfect. Like, of course, you move in. Oh, yeah. This is a spot now for Bricky. This is on day seven of the main event, an uncomfortable spot. You know those spots. You've been in those spots in big tournaments where you like for a a lot of the hand, you feel great. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you're like. It's not as good anymore.
0: Yep. It's like, it's like so many hands in poker are feel great, feel great, feel great. And the whole time, there's a little voice in your back. As long as they don't raise, feel great. Yeah. And then as soon as they raise, you're like, now it's not what I was hoping for as much. Right. Like, just call. I always win if you call. When you raise, it's much more precarious.
1: Yeah. I always remember this one hand I had the first time I played the marathon. I think it was the first year of the marathon where I opened King Jack against a good player's big blind. And the flop was deuce three, four. And uh, I see bet because of the stacked pot ratio and stuff like that and whatever. It doesn't matter. I see bet. He called. Mm. The turn was a jack. I was like, I think I should go for value here. I think he has a lot of one pair hands. So I bet again and he called and the river was a king and uh, flush draws missed and everything. It was great. He checked and I bet and for about 30 seconds he was taking, I was just, like, so happy with, yeah. with my top two. Like, I hope he finds a call with, like, with with just a weak pair. I, I hope. And then my my head started to turn a little bit, like, wait, what if he's not going to call? Yeah. What if he's going to raise? Oh, that'd be bad. That'd be bad if he raised. I have King Jack and this Deuce 3-4 Jack King board. There's no flush, but I'm not doing well against that range. Oh, God, <laughs> don't raise. Oh, God. You know, that turn in your head where you're, like, feeling like, oh, yes, I'm going yeah. for value now. Things are going great. And then all of a sudden, you're not. End of the story was he moved in. I tanked for a long time and folded. He ultimately told me he had King Jack of Spades, which would have been the flopped flush draw, which was then the same hand as mine, which made me sad.
0: Yep. That would be a sad time. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that's what happens in poker sometimes. Yep. It really does. It's too bad. (laughs) Anyway, back to this hand, though. Back to this hand. So Berkey gets raised all in. And that six really shrinks up. Oh, my God. Hugely. Especially when the deuce comes. Like, yeah. the deuce coming is pretty bad. When when the deuce comes, we bet, and he moves in. Like, why isn't he afraid that we have 4-5?
1: Right. We have a lot more 4-5 than him. We have all of the offsuit 4-5.
0: Right. So but he, he should be anyway. He should be afraid of that. He's not moving in with aces,
1: man. No fucking way is he moving in. Is he moving in with ace six? I don't
0: think he is. doesn't matter. We lose to that hand. Oh, my God. We totally do. That's a great point. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a real problem. We need him to have nine six and massively overvalue it. That's like, or or we need him to be bluffing. He's turning an overpair into a bluff. That's the only other thing. Did people do that in 2010 He's turning 10? pocket
1: fives or pocket fours yes. into a bluff.
0: Yes, pocket fives or pocket fours. That, that now I don't know if they did that in twenty ten either, but that's that would be the play, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, pocket fives and pocket fours probably can't call,
0: right? So it's either no shove way. or
1: fold. Those right. are those are the best bluffing hands. Those are great bluffing hands.
0: Yeah. Um. I guess having a six is a pretty good bluffing hand too, in theory, right? Because we block full houses, but it feels eh. like it feels like a five, fives or fours are better. Yeah, those are yeah. better blocks. They're much more likely. Yeah. yeah.
1: So in order to make this call, we kind of have to put Duhamel on being capable of turning fours or fives into a bluff, and then pulling the trigger against us on day seven of the main event
0: when the deuce comes. And like,
1: I know we have trips, but. I think this is... A, Berkey this calls
0: is a pretty quickly. This feels like a pretty big mistake. That's,
1: That's what I was right? referring to at the beginning of the podcast yeah. when I was saying, like, I could see why you would go go broke here, like most players. But if you're really, like, an elite pro, like Berkey seems to think he is, and a lot of people do think he is, too. He has Sol for why and all that stuff. Christian Soto respects his game. That means a lot, right? Um, but... And to be fair, this is 10 years ago. Yeah, it's 10 years ago. But this is a fold,
0: right? It's a fold. I think it's definitely a fold. I would... Oh, look, Berkey disagrees on a lot of things, clearly, that, that we think. I'd be really surprised if he didn't think this was a fold today. Yeah. And if I even think about it, if anything, he's adjusted the other way, where he's, like, really into making big folds, often to his detriment, often too much, and we've done a lot of hands about him doing that, you know. Um, I wonder if this hand actually has haunted him a bit because he had such a deep run, and if it's affected him and he makes kind of bigger folds than he should, like, Possible. like he did in the PCA with, like, 11 players left when he flopped a set, Of nines and ultimately folded because, and he just like check folded the river. uh,
1: He had a full house and the guy had made a flush with Queen Tens, right? And the guy overvalued it. And it actually, we liked the fold, by the way. We We did. We thought it was a good fold. We thought the guy did a bad job overvaluing his flush. And that wasn't with 11 left. That was with like 40 left. It was with 11 left when he made the call in the super marginal spot against the kid who ended the up kid. getting like third or Bexler something or whatever yeah, yeah, in the under the gun versus under the gun. Plus one, three like bet hand. like King
0: 10 off yeah. or something against queen 10 off. Yeah. Yeah. Where the like guy that. backdoored
1: the straight yeah. against Berkey. And
0: Berkey had just top pair and yeah. ended up calling. Yeah. Um, but Berkey's made a lot. Like there's a famous hand we've done and talked about many times him against, uh, Brent Kenny, where he makes, he makes his flush on the river bets. Brent Kenny check raises and Berkey folds the queen high flush. which, yeah, I felt the whole time, like, when if you're up against Prince Kenny, you just can't do that. Like, that's just a bad play.
1: Well, know? yeah, maybe this did affect him then, because honestly, like, this does feel like a pretty clear fold.
0: Yeah, and it, because it happened, like, late, deep, deep, deep in the main event, and I don't think he's ever done anything like that again in, yeah. in the main. Um, it's tough. It's it, really it tough may, to get it may, 43rd It may really event. affect him, you know? Like, maybe not. Maybe this is just one hand, and this is just how he played, and then at some point he changed, because he got better. Like, that's possible, too. But... Yeah, I don't. I don't like think it's fair to call him out as like you know he's supposedly this pro you know because it's yeah. ten years ago, man. No, like, I agree. Everything
1: was different. I wasn't calling him out like that. I was. It was more in reference to our ongoing discussion about like if Brooky actually ahead of the curve or not. Right. And
0: like, I I just don't think this hand is a good way. Okay. It's a good piece of evidence either way because it's just too long ago. That's my. Thought. I
1: suppose. Yeah, it is too long ago, but and I I would hope that today Brooky would find a fold yeah. easily.
0: I mean, I would be really surprised if he didn't say I sucked in 2010. Yeah. You know, like like from his point of view. You know, right, because that's what most players would say. Although
1: these days, this might be more of a call because yes. we block full houses and our opponents are way more capable of turning fours and fives into a bluff.
0: A guy like Duhamel, yeah. you may really have to call. Yeah, But but you have to know that it's Duhamel. And back then, I don't even know if they knew who Duhamel right. was right. either. You know, these like, might
1: be two famous players playing against unknown people who who are each other. from right? each, yeah, yeah, from
0: their point of view. Right. But like, there are certain guys you absolutely have to call with 10-6 against when they raise you all in on the river these yeah. days. There's a bunch of guys who are really good Stephen Chidwick, top of the list. Britt Penny, right. right next, right below him. You know, there's a bunch more. Um, but if it's an amateur, if it's someone who's not fucking around in a big spot, then you're never good and you always fold. And yep. it should be easy to do.